0: chapter six part two of nana by emile zola translated by burton rascoe this librivox recording is in the public domain six part two then the following days their life was adorable in the youngsters company nana seemed once more a girl of fifteen beneath the child's caresses the flower of love bloomed again in spite of her knowledge of man and the loathing it caused her she found herself constantly blushing She experienced an emotion that made her shiver, an inclination to laugh and cry. In short, all the feelings of an awakened virginity added to desires of which she was ashamed. She had never felt thus before. The country filled her with tenderness. When a young child, she had for a long time desired to live in a meadow with a goat, because one day on the slope of the fortifications she had seen a goat bleating, fastened to a stake. Now this estate all this land belonged to her swelled her with an overflowing emotion so much were her wildest dreams more than realized she again experienced all the sensations of a child and at night-time when dizzy from a day spent in the open air intoxicated with the odor of the trees and flowers she went upstairs to rejoin her zizi hidden behind the curtain it seemed to her like a freak of a schoolgirl home for the holidays a love-passage with a cousin whom she was evidently to marry She trembled at the least sound, as though afraid of being caught by her parents. She tasted all the delicious embarrassments, all the voluptuous fears of a first fault. At this time, Nana indulged in the fancies of a sentimental girl. She would look at the moon for hours. One night, she insisted on going down into the garden with Georges, when all the household was asleep. And they wandered about under the trees, their arms round each other's waists then they lay down on the grass and got thoroughly soaked with the dew another time in the bedroom after a rather long pause nana sobbed on the youngster's neck murmuring she was afraid she was going to die she often sang in a low voice a ballad of madame lerat's full of flowers and birds becoming affected even to tears and interrupting herself to clasp georges in a passionate embrace and cause him to utter vows of eternal love in short she behaved very foolishly as she herself would often admit when becoming comrades again they both smoked cigarettes seated on the edge of the bedstead their heels knocking against the woodwork but what caused the young woman's heart completely to melt was the arrival of little louis her attack of maternal love bordered on madness she carried her son into the sunshine to see him sprawl about she rolled with him over the grass after dressing him like a prince she at once insisted that he should sleep near her in the next room where madame lerat very much smitten with the country commenced to snore as soon as she was lying on her back and little louis did not in the least interfere with her love for zizi. on the contrary she said that she had two children she confounded them in the same caprice of affection during the night on more than ten occasions she quitted zizi to go and see if little louis was breathing all right but when she returned she cuddled her zizi with the remains of her maternal caresses she acted the mamma towards him whilst he vicious youngster liking very much to be little in the arms of that big girl let her nurse him like a baby being rocked to sleep it was so nice that charmed with this existence she seriously proposed to him that they should never again leave the country they would send every one away and live alone together he she and the baby and they built a thousand castles in the air until daybreak without hearing madame lerat who tired out with gathering wild flowers snored loud enough to waken the whole household this fine life lasted for nearly a week count miffa came every night and went back home with swollen features and hot feverish hands one night he was not even admitted steiner having been obliged to go to paris he was told that madame was very unwell each day Nana revolted more and more at the idea of being unfaithful to georges so young and so innocent and who had put his faith in her she would have considered herself the most worthless of women besides it would have disgusted her too much zoe who assisted at this adventure with silent disdain thought that madame was becoming cracked all of a sudden on the sixth day a band of visitors broke in upon this idyllic existence nana had invited a number of people thinking that no one would come so she was very much astounded and very much vexed one afternoon on seeing an omnibus full of men and women draw up in front of the iron gates of la Mignotte. here we are cried mignon the first to alight from the vehicle from which he extricated his sons henri and charles la bordette appeared next and immediately assisted a number of ladies to descend lucy stuart caroline maria blonde nana was hoping that that was the end when la falloise jumped out to receive in his trembling arms gaga and her daughter emilie that made eleven persons it was difficult to find room for them all at la mignotte there were five guest chambers one of which was occupied by madame lerat and little louis the largest bedroom was given to the gaga and la falloise family and it was decided that amelie should sleep on a camp bedstead in the dressing-room adjoining mignon and his two sons had the third bedroom la bordette the fourth there still remained one which was turned into a dormitory with four beds for Lucy, caroline tatton and maria as for steiner he would have to sleep on the sofa in the drawing-room After the lapse of an hour, when everything was settled, Nana, who first of all had felt furious, was delighted at doing the honours of her country abode. The ladies complimented her on La Mignotte, a most enchanting place, my dear. Then they brought her a puff of Paris air, the little scandals of the week. They all spoke at once with sundry little taps and exclamations and bursts of laughter. And Bordenave, by the way, what had he said of her little escapade? Why, nothing much after bellowing out that he would have her brought back by the gendarme when the evening came he merely filled her place with the understudy and she little violaine had scored a great success in the blonde venus this piece of news made nana serious it was only four o'clock they began to talk of going for a stroll you don't know said nana i was about to get some potatoes when you arrived so they all wanted to go and pick up potatoes without even changing their clothes They made quite a party. The gardener and two lads were already in the field at the extreme end of the estate. The ladies knelt down on the ground, feeling in the earth with their fingers covered with rings, crying out every time they discovered a potato of any size. They thought it all so amusing. But Tectanini was in her element. She had picked up so many in her younger days that she so far forgot herself as to give the others the benefit of her experience and to ridicule their awkwardness the gentleman took it more coolly mignon looking a very worthy man profited by his stay in the country to complete his son's education he talked to them of parmentier the introducer of the potato into france in the evening the dinner was madly gay every one had an enormous appetite nana very far gone had a row with her butler who had been at the bishop of orleans the ladies smoked with their coffee sounds of feasting and revelry issued through the windows and were lost in the distance in the serenity of the night whilst between the hedges the belated peasants turned their heads and looked at the house blazing with light what a nuisance it is you are all going away again the day after to-morrow observed nana we must arrange some excursion whilst you are here so it was settled that on the morrow a sunday they should all go and visit the ruins of the ancient abbey of Chamont, which was situated about seven miles off five carriages were to come from orleans to take the party after luncheon and bring them back to dine at la mignotte towards seven o'clock in the evening it would be delightful that night as usual count mufa ascended the hill to ring the bell at the iron gates but the lights in the windows the loud laughter surprised him recognizing mignon's voice he understood it all and went away enraged by this new obstacle driven to extremities determined to use violence georges who entered by a little side door of which he had a key quietly ascended to nana's bedroom keeping close to the walls only he had to wait for her until past midnight she came at last very tipsy and more maternal even than on the other nights when she drank it made her so loving that there was rather too much of it thus she insisted on georges accompanying her to the abbey of chamon he resisted afraid of being seen if he was noticed in a carriage with her it would cause a frightful scandal but she burst into tears seized with the noisy despair of a discarded woman and he consoled her and faithfully promised to be one of the party then you do really love me she stuttered say that you love me a lot tell me my own darling if i died would you be very unhappy at la fondette nana's proximity upset the whole household every morning during luncheon worthy madame hugon talked in spite of herself about that woman relating all that her gardener had told her experiencing that kind of witchery exercised by gay women over the most respectable ladies she usually so tolerant felt indignant and exasperated with the vague presentiment of some misfortune which alarmed her at eventide as though she had known of the presence in the neighbourhood of a wild beast escaped from some menagerie and she squabbled with her guests accusing them all of wandering round about la Mignotte. count de vendeuvre had been seen laughing on the high road with a lady wearing a large quantity of hair but he defended himself swore that it wasn't nana for indeed it was lucy who accompanied him for the purpose of telling him how she had just sent her third prince to the right about the marquis de Choix went also for long walks every day but he began to talk at once of his doctor's directions as for Dagonet and Faucherie, Madame Hugon treated them very unjustly. The first, especially, never went outside the grounds of Les Fondettes, having abandoned his intention of seeking to renew his intimate acquaintance with Nana and making himself respectfully assiduous towards Estelle. Faucherie also remained with the Muffat ladies. On one occasion, only he had come across Mignon in a lane, his hands full of flowers, and giving a lesson in botany to his sons. The two men had shaken hands and talked of Rose she was very well each of them had received a letter from her that very morning in which she told them to take advantage of the country air as long as they could of all her guests therefore the old lady only spared count mufa and georges the count who pretended he had some very important business to attend to at orleans could not be running after girls and as for georges the poor child was beginning to cause her the greatest anxiety for every evening he was seized with the most violent headaches which forced him to go to bed before it was really dark faucherie had elected himself countess sabine's cavalier-in-waiting whilst the count disappeared regularly every afternoon whenever they went about the grounds he carried her parasol and her camp stool. besides he amused her with his journalistic gossip and soon established between them one of those sudden intimacies which country life countenances She appeared to surrender at once awakened to a second youth in the society of this young man whose noisy scoffing ways seemed incapable of compromising her and sometimes when they found themselves alone for a second behind some hedge their eyes would seek each other's they would stop in the midst of a laugh abruptly serious with a languishing look as though they had divined and understood each other on the friday it had been necessary to lay another place at lunch M. Théophile veneau whom madame hugon recollected having invited at the Mufas the previous winter had just arrived he put on his most agreeable look and affected the indifferent air of an insignificant person without appearing to notice the uneasy deference with which he was treated when he had succeeded in making himself forgotten and while crunching some little pieces of sugar during dessert he watched Dagonet, who was handing some strawberries to estelle and listened to faucherie one of whose anecdotes seemed to amuse the countess very much the moment anyone looked at him he smiled in his quiet way on leaving the table m Vanneau took the count's arm and led him into the grounds it was known that he exercised a great influence over the count ever since his mother's death most singular stories were current as to the ex-attorney's domination over the household Faucherie, whose plans were no doubt considerably interfered with by his arrival related to georges and dagonet the origin of his fortune a big lawsuit with which the jesuits had once entrusted him and according to him this little old fellow who was a terrible man in spite of his pleasant looks had now a finger in every clerical pie the two young fellows began to laugh for they thought the old man looked a bit of an idiot the idea of an unknown veneau of a gigantic veneau acting for the clergy seemed to them most comical but they ceased talking as count mufa still with the old gentleman at his side returned looking very pale and with his eyes red as though he had been weeping they have for certain been talking of hell murmured faucherie jeeringly countess sabine who had overheard him slowly turned her head and their eyes met with one of those prolonged looks with which they prudently sounded each other before running any risk usually after luncheon every one adjourned to the end of the flower garden to a terrace which overlooked the plain the sunday afternoon was deliciously mild towards ten o'clock in the morning it looked like rain but the sky without becoming perfectly clear had so to say blended into a milky kind of mist and a sort of luminous dust all golden with sunshine then madame hugon suggested that they should go out by the little door of the terrace and take a stroll in the direction of gumiere as far as the choup she liked walking being still very active in spite of her sixty years every one moreover stated that they would rather not have the carriage they arrived thus rather disbanded at the wooden bridge thrown across the stream Faucherie and dagonet were in front with the mufa ladies the count and the marquis came next on either side of madame Higon, whilst vendeuvre looking very stylish and dreadfully bored at wandering along that high road brought up the rear smoking a cigar M. Veneau, slackening or hastening his footsteps, went smilingly from one group to another, as though to hear everything. Ah, poor Georges is at Orléans, Madame Hugon was saying. He wished to consult old Dr. Tavernier, who no longer goes out, about his headaches. Yes, you were none of you up. He started before seven this morning. It will be a slight diversion for him, anyhow. But she interrupted herself to remark, Dear me! why are they waiting on the bridge truly enough the ladies and Dagonet and faucherie were standing at the foot of the bridge with hesitating looks as though some obstacle caused them uneasiness the way seemed free however straight on cried the count they did not move but remained watching something that was coming and which the others could not see there was a turn in the road which was bordered on either side by poplars however a rumbling noise gradually increasing now reached the entire party there was a sound of wheels mixed with laughter and the cracking of whips and suddenly five carriages appeared following one after the other almost crowded enough to break the axle-trees and enlivened with a mixture of light blue and rose-coloured dresses whatever is all this asked madame hugo in surprise then she guessed she seemed to divine And indignant at such an invasion crossing her path, she murmured, "Oh, that woman! Walk on, do walk on, pretend not to." But it was too late. The five carriages which were taking Nana and her guests to the ruins at Chamon were already close to the little wooden bridge. Fauchery, Dagonet, and the Muffat ladies had to step back, whilst Madame Hugon and the others stopped also at various distances along the road. It was a superb procession the laughing in the carriages had ceased some faces turned around with curiosity each party looked at the other amidst a silence that was only broken by the regular trot of the horses in the first carriage maria Blonde and tatanlinet reclining like duchesses their skirts blown out over the wheels looked disdainly at the respectable ladies on foot in the next was gaga who almost occupied an entire seat to herself quite burying la Faloise, of whom only the anxious nose could be seen then came caroline Kay with la bordette lucy stuart with mignon and his sons and at the end of all accompanied by steiner was nana who had on the little seat in front of her that poor love of Azizi with his knees touching hers it is the last one is it not quietly inquired the countess of faucherie affecting not to recognize nana the wheels of nana's carriage almost grazed her but she did not move back an inch the two women had exchanged a searching look one of those scrutinizing glances lasting but a second yet complete and definite as for the men they behaved admirably foucherie and d'agonet perfectly impassive recognized no one the marquis anxious and afraid of some practical joke on the part of the girls had plucked a blade of grass which he was twirling between his fingers vendeuvre alone being at some little distance from the others just moved his eyelids by way of recognizing Lucy, who smiled at him as she passed take care murmured Monsieur veneau standing behind count Miffa. the latter greatly agitated followed with his eyes that vision of nana flying away from him his wife had turned slowly round and was examining him then he looked on the ground as though to lose sight of the galloping horses who were carrying off his flesh and his heart his agony almost made him cry aloud he had understood all on seeing georges lost among nana's skirts A child! It broke his heart to think that she should have preferred a child to himself. He did not mind about Steiner, but a child! Madame Hugon, however, had not recognized Georges at first. On passing over the bridge, he would have jumped into the stream had not Nana's knees held him. So, white as snow and cold as ice, he sat immovable, looking at no one. Perhaps they would not see him. Ah, good heavens! suddenly exclaimed the old lady it is georges who is with her the carriages had passed in the midst of that uneasiness felt by persons who knew each other and who yet did not bow this delicate encounter so rapid in reality had seemed to last an eternity and now the wheels were gaily carrying away into the sunny country those vehicles full of girls with the wind blowing in their faces Ribbons were flying about, the laughter commenced again, and jokes passed from one to another. While some stood up and gazed back at those highly respectable people who had remained stationary at the side of the road, looking very much put out. Nana, as she glanced round, could see them hesitate, then retrace their steps without crossing the bridge at all. Madame Hugon was leaning on Count Mufat's arm, silent and so sad that no one dared console her. I say cried nana to lucy who was leaning out of the carriage in front of hers did you notice faucherie my dear didn't he look a dirty rip he shall smart for it and paul a chap to whom i have been so kind not the least sign really they are polite then she had a frightful quarrel with steiner who considered that the gentlemen had behaved admirably so they were not even worth the raising of a hat the first blackguard they met might insult them thanks he also was a nice fellow he was it only wanted that one should always bow to a woman who was the tall one called out lucy in the midst of the noise caused by the wheels countess mufa answered steiner there now i thought as much exclaimed nana well my boy in spite of her being a countess i can tell you she's not worth much yes yes not worth much you know i've an eye for that sort of thing i have now i know her as if i had made her your countess will you bet that that viper vaucherie isn't her lover i tell you that he is her lover one can easily see that between women steiner shrugged his shoulders ever since the previous evening his bad temper had been on the increase he had received some letters which would oblige him to leave on the following morning then too it wasn't very amusing to come to the country just to sleep on the drawing-room sofa and this poor baby resumed nana suddenly becoming tender-hearted as she caught sight of georges who was sitting pale and erect and scarce able to breathe do you think that mamma recognized me he at length stammered forth oh most decidedly she cried out but it's all my fault he didn't want to come and i made him listen to me zizi shall i write to your mamma she looks a very kind woman i will tell her that i never saw you before and that it was steiner who brought you to me to-day for the first time no no don't write said george anxiously i will arrange all myself and if they make a fuss i'll come away and never go back again but he continued very dejected and absorbed in reflection trying to invent some lies for the evening the five vehicles continued along the straight and interminable level road bordered on either side by some very fine trees the country around was enveloped in a kind of silvery-grey vapour the ladies continued to pass remarks from one carriage to another from behind the backs of the coachmen, who laughed to themselves at the strange company they were driving now and again one of the women would stand up to obtain a better view and becoming interested would remain in that position leaning against her neighbour's shoulder until a sudden jerk of the vehicle brought her to her seat again caroline quai was having some very important conversation with la Bordette they both came to the conclusion that nana would be wanting to part with her country house in less than three months and caroline instructed la bordette to acquire it for her under the rose for a very moderate sum in the carriage preceding them la falloise very spoony and unable to reach gaga's apoplectic neck was depositing kisses on that part of her dress which almost bursting with the tightness of the fit covered her backbone whilst amelie sitting bolt upright on the little seat in front sick of being there with empty arms watching her mother being kissed kept telling them to leave off in the next carriage mignon with the view of surprising lucy made his sons recite one of la fontaine's fables henri especially was prodigious he could say it right off without a single mistake but maria Blanche, at the head of the procession was beginning to feel awfully bored tired of poking fun at that fool of a tatanini who believed her when she said that the paris dairymen made their eggs out of gum and saffron it was too far would they never arrive and the question passed from carriage to carriage at length reached nana who after consulting her coachman stood up and called to the others in about a quarter of an hour you see that church over there behind the trees then after a slight pause she resumed you don't know it seems that the owner of the chateau de Chamont is an old flame of the time of the first napoleon and oh such a fast one so joseph told me and he heard it when he was at the bishop's. she used to lead a life such as one couldn't lead now, however, she has become awfully religious. What's her name? asked Lucy, Madame Danglars, Irma Danglars, I knew her, cried Gaga from each vehicle, there issued a string of exclamations which were lost in the more rapid trot of the horses. Heads were stretched out to catch a glimpse of Gaga maria blonde and tata Nini turned round and knelt on the seat holding on to the closed hood at the back of the carriage and questions were asked and malicious observations tempered with a secret admiration were made Gaga had known her that filled them all with respect for this far-away past i was very young then resumed Gaga. all the same i recollect i used to see her pass it was said that she was something disgusting at home but in her carriage she was magnificent and the most incredible stories circulated. Such filthy goings-on that it's a marvel she ever lived through them. It doesn't surprise me that she has a chateau. She could clear a man out as easy as breathe on him. Ah, Irma Danglars is still among the living. Well, my little friends, she must be about ninety now. On hearing this, the ladies all became very serious. Ninety years old, there wasn't one of them as lucy said who had a chance of living to that age they were all roarers nana too declared that she didn't want to make old bones it was funnier not to they had now almost reached their destination and their conversation was interrupted by the drivers cracking their whips as they urged on the tired horses yet in the midst of the noise lucy jumping to another subject continued talking and pressed nana to leave with the others on the morrow the exhibition was about to close and the ladies were anxious to get back to paris where the season so far had surpassed their wildest hopes but nana was obstinate she detested paris she wouldn't go back there for a long time to come eh ducky we'll stay where we are said she squeezing georges knees notwithstanding steiner's presence the carriages suddenly stopped and the party very much surprised alighted in a desert looking place at the foot of a hill one of the drivers had to point out to them with his whip the ruins of the ancient abbey of chamon almost hidden by the trees it was a great deception the ladies were disgusted all they could see were a few heaps of rubbish overgrown with brambles and a half tumble-down tower really it was ridiculous to come two leagues to see that the driver then pointed out to them the chateau the park belonging to which was close to the abbey and he told them that they could reach it by following a little path that skirted the walls they could take a look round whilst the carriages waited for them in the village it was a most delightful walk the party agreed to try it the deuce irma must be very well off said gaga stopping in front of some iron railings at one of the corners of the park they all gazed in silence at the handsome trees and shrubs on the other side of the railings then they continued along the narrow path following the walls of the park every now and then raising their eyes to admire the trees the branches of which spread out overhead in an impenetrable green canopy after three minutes walk they came to some more iron railings which enabled them to see an extensive lawn over which two venerable oak trees cast a welcome shade and three minutes further walking brought them to some more railings which exhibited to them an immense avenue a passage of darkness at the end of which the sun looked like a bright star an admiration at first silent gradually burst forth into exclamations they had at the outset indulged themselves in chaff feeling rather envious however all the time but this decidedly was too much for them what a wonder she was that irma such things as these gave one a grand idea of woman The trees still continued as plentiful as ever, and at every few steps there were patches of ivy trailing over the wall, with the tops of summer houses just visible, and screens of poplars succeeding to compact groups of elms and aspens. Would it never come to an end? The ladies, tired of continually following this wall without catching a glimpse at every opening of anything except masses of foliage, were anxious to see the chateau. They clutched the railings with both hands, pressing their faces against the iron a feeling of respect took possession of them while thus kept at a distance and dreaming of the chateau hidden in this immensity of trees after walking quickly for some time they began to feel really fatigued yet there were no signs of the wall coming to an end at every turn of the path ladies despairing of ever reaching the end talked of going back but the more the length of the walk tired them the more respectful they became impressed as they were at every step by the calm and regal majesty of the domain ''It's positively sickening,'' muttered Caroline Ecaix between her teeth. Nanette checked her with a shrug of the shoulders. For some little while she had not said a word, but walked along looking slightly pale and very serious. Suddenly, at another turn, they found themselves close to the village. The wall abruptly terminated, and the chateau appeared at the end of a spacious courtyard. They all stopped, lost in admiration of the lofty grandeur of the broad entrance steps of the twenty windows that studded the facade of the extent of the three wings the brick walls of which were framed with stonework henri cat had inhabited that historic building in which his bedroom still existed with its enormous bed hung with genoa velvet nana deeply affected sighed like a child my goodness murmured she very softly to herself but a violent emotion seized upon all Gaga, on a sudden stated that it was irma in person who was standing in front of the church she recognized her perfectly always upright the minx in spite of her age and just the same eyes when she assumed her grand air vespers were just over for an instant madame stood within the porch she wore a silk dress of the colour of faded leaves and looked very tall and simple with the venerable countenance of an old marchioness who had escaped the horrors of the revolution In her right hand, a bulky prayer book shone in the sunshine, and she slowly traversed the open space before the church. Followed by a footman in livery who walked at a respectful distance behind her, the congregation was streaming out. All the chamon folks bowed low as she passed them. An old man kissed her hand. A woman fell on her knees before her. She was a mighty queen, loaded with years and honors. She ascended the steps of her chateau and disappeared that's what one comes to when one is careful said mignon in a convinced manner while looking at his sons as though giving them a lesson then every one said something la bordette thought her wonderfully preserved maria blonde called her an offensive name whilst lucy became quite angry saying that one should ever respect old age in short they all agreed that she was something stupendous and then rejoined the carriages from Chamont to la Mignotte, nana did not utter a word she turned twice round to take a look at the chateau lulled by the noise of the wheels she no longer felt steiner by her side she no longer beheld georges seated in front of her a vision rose from out of the twilight madame still passing slowly along with the majesty of a mighty queen loaded with years and honors that evening georges returned to la fondette in time for dinner nana more and more absent-minded and peculiar had sent him home to ask his mamma's forgiveness it was indispensable said she severely seized with a sudden respect for family duties she even made him promise not to return to her that night she was tired and he would only be doing his duty in showing obedience georges very much bored by this moral lesson appeared before his mother with a heavy heart and hanging down his head luckily for him his brother philippe had arrived a big soldier and a very lively fellow this dispelled the storm that was impending madame hugon contented herself with looking at him with her eyes full of tears whilst philippe informed of what had occurred threatened to bring him back by the ears if he ever returned to that woman georges greatly relieved slyly thought of a plan by which he might escape the next afternoon towards two o'clock and arrange about his meetings with nana during dinner, the guests at Les Fondettes seemed laboring under a certain embarrassment. Vendœuvre had announced his departure. He wished to take Lucy back to Paris, amused at the idea of carrying off this woman, whom he had known for ten years past without having felt the slightest desire for her person before. The Marquis de Choy, his nose buried in his plate, was thinking of Gaga's young lady. He recollected having nursed her on his knee. How quickly children grew up! she was really becoming quite a plump little thing count mufat his face very red remained absorbed in reflection he continually glanced at georges when dinner was over he went and shut himself in his room complaining of a slight touch of fever m veneau had hastened after him and upstairs there was quite a scene between them the count had flung himself on the bed and was stifling his nervous sobs in the pillow whilst m Venot in a mild tone of voice called him his brother and exhorted him to implore the divine mercy he heard not he had a rattling in his throat all of a sudden he jumped from the bed and stammered i am going i can no longer resist very well said the old man i will go with you as they went out two shadows were disappearing in the depths of a sidewalk every night faucherie and countess sabine now let dagonet help estelle make the tea on the high road the count walked at such a pace that his companion was obliged to run to keep up with him though short of breath the old man did not cease offering him the best possible arguments against succumbing to the temptations of the flesh the other never opened his mouth but hurried onwards in the darkness when he reached La Mignotte, however, he said, I can fight no more. Leave me. Then God's will be done, murmured Monsieur Veneau. He takes all means to assure his triumph. Your sin will become one of his weapons. At La Mignotte, a good deal of quarrelling went on during the repast. Nana had received a letter from Bordenave in which he advised her to take plenty of rest, but in a way that showed he did not care a pin about her little violaine was called twice before the curtain every night and as mignon again pressed her to leave with them all on the morrow nana exasperated declared that she was not in want of advice from any one besides whilst at table she had behaved in a most ridiculously straight-laced manner madame lerat having made use of a rather objectionable word she cried out hang it all she would allow nobody not even her aunt to utter filthy expressions in her presence Then, influenced by an idiotic attack of respectability, she bored everyone with her goody-goody sentiments, with her ideas of giving little Louis a religious education and a whole course of good behavior for herself. As they all laughed, she made use of some very profound words, wagging her head like a worthy woman thoroughly convinced, saying that order alone led to fortune, and that she didn't want to die on a dung heap. The other woman, having had enough of it, protested. Was it possible? some one must have changed nana but she immovable in her seat relapsed into her reverie her eyes gazing into space and conjuring up a vision of a nana very rich and very much bowed to when mifat arrived they were all just going to bed la bordette noticed him in the garden and understanding his object rendered him the service of getting steiner out of the way and of leading him by the hand along the dark passage to the door of nana's room La Bordette for this sort of jobs had a most gentlemanly way, was very dexterous, and seemed delighted at conducing to another's happiness. Nana showed no surprise, but merely felt bored by Mifas' persistence. However, one must have an eye for business during life. It was stupid to love. It led to nothing. Besides, she had scruples on account of Zizi's youth. She had really behaved disgracefully. Well she would return to the right path and go for the old fellow. Zoe, said she to the maid who was only too delighted to leave the country, pack the trunks the first thing tomorrow morning. We are going back to Paris. And she allowed Mifa to remain, though it caused her no pleasure. End of chapter 6